A trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership. And the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome to the show. Oh, man, we have got a lot to talk about this hour. By the way, you can join the conversation, 801-331-8113. And I do want to mention that uh, I have a couple of great sponsors that I would love to introduce you to. They include the Staples-Turner team at at Patriot Home Mortgage as well as Firesteel.com. And by the way, there are links to these sponsors in the show notes, and I would hope that you're taking the time to check out the show notes. I post them up every time I do the show at thebrianhydeshow.com. Easy to find. Today is August 21st. This is the second hour of the show, so I hope you'll uh, check it out, find some of the excellent reading material that I have posted for you. And uh, we're going to start off with a big question. Is there a line in the sand? Is there a point where you would say, okay, this is insanity. I can go no further without calling this what it is. This is insanity. This is mass psychosis. We are losing our minds. And I'm saying this, of course, regarding COVID-19. Dead serious. Is there a place where you would say, oh, my word, this is absolutely above the, you know, across the line here. We can't go any further. Because I seriously wonder where that line might be for some people. Now, I I happen to believe, and maybe I'm wrong in thinking this, I think that most people are generally rational, even in the face of some kind of unknown or in the face of some danger and some, uh, you know, unseen foe like a little virus that we call COVID-19. And so we want to play it safe as far as, well, okay, we don't know for sure if I'm safe or not, but, you know, I'll take these precautions, I'll social distance, wash my hands, use hand sanitizer, maybe I wear a mask, whatever it may be. Why is it that people in positions of authority, and I'm talking at every level of government from the federal right on down to your local municipal governments, is absolutely grabbing for power like they were a drowning man grasping for a flotation device. So we're going to explore this in a little bit of detail. I've got a recent column here from Eric Peters, a very rational and thorough debunking of the the manipulative narrative that we're being fed or we're being ordered to believe. And I'm not going to suggest Eric is the only one who's telling the truth, but I'll tell you, I think he is I think he is being more truthful than most media outlets are being right now. I also have an article from John Miltimore about what we could learn from Sweden's approach to the pandemic, particularly as it applies to back to school, since that seems to be a a fairly big sticking point right now for a lot of parents who are really upset that their kids are being required not only to wear masks, but to jump through some other incredible hoops. And I'm going to share an example of that in just a moment. Also, Jeffrey Tucker has a very good essay about how it's not so much a conspiracy. All this government power grabbing going on right now uh, in my home state of Utah, Governor Herbert has doubled down. He's a lame duck governor. He's like, what are you going to do? Vote me out. So he is making hay while the sun shines. And it's not so much conspiracy 
says Jeff Tucker, as it is a case of monkey see, monkey do. And what he means is government officials at all these different levels, they don't know what they're doing. They don't have the answers that they pretend to have. But they see others locking down, grabbing for power, trying to appear leadership-oriented and and in charge. And so they just do the same thing. That actually makes more sense to me than the smoke-filled room and the conspirators, you know, okay, so then, then we roll out the vaccine. But the bottom line is there is a real, actual conflict. And your liberties and my liberties are very much at stake. It's not just a matter of, well, there's a deadly, the deadliest virus ever is out there roaming our streets. There is a virus out there, but it's being terribly overstated. What was it I saw? My friend had posted a a thing today. There's a 0.01% chance that it might rain today. I am appalled that more people aren't out here with umbrellas. I was like, okay, touche. That was on target. Let me give you an illustration, though. This is just how ridiculous this is becoming. Maybe you can relate to this if you're a parent with a kid in school. Saw this tweet. CC is the tweeter. And she says, my daughter's school just called and said, I have to come pick her up. Because she sneezed. They said their policy is if they see a, quote, mild symptom, then children must stay home for two weeks and cannot return until I present them with a negative COVID test result. She's seven years old. Now, they said she made a sneeze in class, and that sneeze made the teacher nervous. So this mom went to the school to pick up her daughter. They wouldn't let her in the locked gate to collect her. She pressed the button to say, I'm here for my daughter, but then they turned off the mic before she could say who she was. Next thing you know, her daughter is walking alone, unescorted through school grounds, looking for her. In fact, she had to wave her down outside the gate. Why wouldn't they escort the child to the gate for safety protocol? Well, it's because we don't want to catch anything. Now, I'm going to remind you, she sneezed. That's all. It could have been anyone standing there. She's seven. This is getting ridiculous, says Cece. One sneeze and you're kicked out of school. She says, I asked her at home if she felt okay. She said she's fine, but was upset because she doesn't understand why they told her to lead. To leave, rather. Poor thing. Now, to clarify, sneezing is not a COVID symptom. The school said their policy from the state health department is if a child displays flu-like or mild flu-like symptoms, not COVID, but flu-like, then two weeks at home plus a negative COVID test is their policy now. Okay, so let's, let's bat this one around. 801-331-8113. Is that reasonable? Would you say, well, school officials are doing what any rational and reasonable person would be? Or can we just agree that maybe here's an example that Corona is turning into a national psychosis and mass mental illness? And again, I ask the question, where would you draw the line? Let's go to the phone. Caller, welcome to the show. I drew the lines back in February, my friend. Okay. Yeah, I'm not falling for it. And you're, I, I think what we need to do is gather and assimilate. Have a, have a convention of the non-maskers in this state. And let's get to know each other and see each other's faces. Well, I guess there was a pretty good because gathering yesterday in St. George. There was a fight, fight the mask march, and they had hundreds of people turn out. So Fantastic. there's a start. 
That's brilliant. We need to do one here in Salt Lake City. We, we have to have one. This is nonsense. These people are out of their minds. They're trying to create exactly what you just said, a psychotic thing going on in your head. I mean, I'm in the store. I'm afraid to cough because I'm going to freak people out. And no, that's not right. No, it's true. It's true. And it, look, even I, if I sneeze, I get a little bit nervous just for the people around me because more often than not, I'm not wearing a mask. So I'm already catching weird glances like, hey, who is this guy? And then if I sneeze, and by the way, allergies have been absolutely nuts the last couple of weeks. Not, not to mention the smoke in the air from the fire. Yes. Yep. And you got the, I mean, we're, we're, try, we're taking lessons or, or orders from people that can't even balance their own checkbook, make poorest decisions, their states are run like crap, the cities are run like crap, so like cities become a Pinhole. No, it's I disgusting uh, down there. I get it. And yeah, it's at some point. Well, it sounds like you you uh, you caught on pretty early on, Rob. Um, at some point, I have to ask: When will the rest of the the populace say we can't go there? We cannot go further. Well, well, you know, I do go to stores, and I am noticing more and more people just refusing to wear the mask and going into the stores. They're just refusing, and uh, my hats off to those folks because. They are the pioneers of freedom and liberty that needs to be, you know, expressed during these times. I mean, we have just watched four wasted years of these people bickering back and forth of who's going to be in charge of man managing our tax dollars. And who, I mean, there's your problem right there. If you weren't smart enough to see it, that this was another part of their hoax, I don't know what to tell you, buddy, or ma'am, for that matter. <laughs> or jure, or whatever your pronouns may be. <laughs> My God, it, it's out of control. I mean, people, we got to have a little party. Let's let's have one. Let's, let's have a little mandate, no mask gathering here at the Capitol. Pick a day. You got the microphone in front of your face there. Okay. It needs to happen. I'm, I'm down. I'm down for it. Rob, you, you name the time and place or somebody else pick up the torch and run with it. I will help you get the word out. I will be there myself. And I will engage in wrong think. Just like I love to do on a daily basis. I'll meet with the other wrong thinkers. Thanks, Rob. We'll be back after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. So just to clarify, I had somebody ask me uh, during the break, this, uh, this mother who was, uh, was complaining that her 7-year-old daughter was sent home from school for two weeks and cannot return until she provides a negative COVID test result uh, because she sneezed. Yeah, she sneezed in class, and apparently that's the official policy. That's Australia which if you've been following the news, you already know Australia is pretty much the worst of the worst right now. Maybe New Zealand giving them a run for their money. Who can who can double down on the insanity the hardest? And the, here's the thing that gets me. It's the asserted unknown 
that is being used to justify all of this official overreaction. And if you've ever sneezed or coughed in public, and I mean, I'm not talking because you had COVID-19 and were out there spreading it like typhoid Mary, but just if, if you had to sneeze, have you seen how people look at you, how they scurry away from you? You don't even have to do that. All you have to do is walk a little too close to somebody and watch them recoil from you like a vampire recoiling from a, a bushel of garlic. Okay, to be fair, maybe I had garlic for lunch, but that's beside the point. All right, let's get back to the phone. 801-331-8113. Kevin, welcome to the show. To be on the radio, uh, what did you think of my Facebook essay that I wrote on Saturday about liberalism? Um, For the listeners who aren't familiar with it, give us a brief description. Yeah, okay. So, you know, a lot of people think liberal, you know, this person wants more government, conservative wants less. Well, liberal and conservative can mean a lot of different things. My issue or my point, I'm a blind person, and there are certainly liberalism in the blind community. I'm an ultra-liberal in terms of blindness issues, meaning that I went to a training school, learned how to cross busy streets, learned how to cook and all that. And in that respect, because I'm liberating myself, I'm an ultra-liberal, meaning I don't subscribe to the conservative thought, oh, blind people can't cook, blind people shouldn't cross these streets, blind people shouldn't do this. So I I think that would make me an ultra-liberal in that respect. What do you think? Well, I think we can get caught up in labels. And that's that's why when people sometimes hear the word liberal, they're going to have a knee-jerk reaction because they're going to think progressive or they're going to think leftist or left-wing or something like that. I'm, you know, I'm a believer in the word liberal meaning something actually very positive, as in liberal arts or uh, the liber, which is the root of the word liberty and library and, you know, the ability to read and think and contract and measure and, and do math and things like that. So it doesn't, I'm not as hung up on it, but unfortunately labels have become a very um, unhealthy substitute for actual observation of what a person is or what they're advocating. If we can slap a label on somebody, well, there we go. I know everything I need to know about this person because I've stuck a label on them and therefore they are what I say they are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh... Well, the word liberal has been tweaked, you know, since what? As far as I understand, the early 1900s. Thomas Jefferson, my understanding, was an ultra-liberal because he wanted freedom and then liberal change because people want to change more government. And so it's definitely been tweaked over the centuries, over at least last century. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and even the even the word ultra as a modifier might make some people think, oh, boy, so it's a, it's an extreme thing. Uh, my point is just simply liberal never should have been a dirty word in the first place. Jefferson and many of those like him were classical liberals but that that meant that they they leaned towards the side of greater personal freedom, uh, free market economics, basically greater autonomy and less centralized control. In our day, unfortunately, liberal usually denotes someone who wants greater control over you, your property, what you think, what you can say. And, you know, that's that's what a lot of people associate with it, for better or for worse. Well, who do you 
who do you fault for tweaking the word liberal? Uh, well, as you have seen, there have been other places where words and meanings have changed over time. I mean, it used to be, uh, you know, the Flintstones talked about, we'll have a gay old time. Well, yep, I remember that. They have a gay old time today. It's certainly not what Fred and Barney were talking about, you know, bowling with the whatever the, the order of the moose or whatever the, the fraternal club was that they belonged yeah, to. Yeah, when did the meaning of, yeah, any idea when the meaning of that word changed? I remember that. No, it's, it's just something that's happened gradually and over time. But I think you're wise to point out, you know, the folly of, uh, you know, don't get too hung up on the labels. Don't, uh, don't be too quick to apply one to yourself or to other people. We're complex. We're, we're, we're multifaceted beings. And, uh, and to really see where a person stands, you know, if you have to categorize them, try to look and see, is their behavior decent or is it indecent? Because those are really the only two categories that matter. Kevin, I appreciate your call. I want to jump back here for a moment to this article by uh, Eric Peters, The Power of the Asserted Unknown. And he uses a really good example. I, I say a really good example of uh, how our fears regarding COVID are being exploited because of what's not known. Now, I had a friend who uh, he and his wife just traveled back to Sturgis, the motorcycle rally in South Dakota, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Asked him about the trip, and it was cool. I mean, he was telling me all about it. Uh, they had adventures. They had, you know, motorcycle breakdown on the way. They rode for hours and hours. But uh, one of the things I, I was asking him about was, so uh, tell me about the social distancing. How many masks did you see? And he said, you know, he says, I was wearing a mask, but he says most people really weren't. And you better believe that has set off uh, what Eric calls the Gesundheitsführers and the hyena media, which uh, loves to... Uh, perpetuate this fear about COVID-19. Now, Eric says, you remember that old joke that used to be funny about the shyster lawyer asking the defendant, and when did you stop beating your wife? And he says it was funny because everyone understood, because people could think once, that the lawyer was a shyster because the poor man hadn't ever beaten his wife. But he says it's no longer funny because millions of people can't think anymore. They don't see they're being shystered by the Gesundheitsführers and the hyena media when it comes to assertions about the Wu flu. And his example is the latest such follow on the heels of the annual Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota, where hundreds of thousands of Americans didn't imitate Michael Jackson. They didn't wear gloves or face diapers. They didn't leap back in fear of proximity. In other words, they slapped each other on the backs and had fun face to face in your face to the Gesundheit Führers who've been turning America into a depressing, tyrannical sickness gulag by spreading fear about a sickness that presents no more threat to 99.5 plus percent of the public than the ordinary flu and less of a threat to 100 percent of the population than medical malpractice or obesity. But Eric Peters says the Gesundheit Führers, Führers cannot abide the facts because they are a threat to the power of the Gesundheitsführers, which has become practically limitless. Those facts must be shouted down by assertions which have emotional power over the fearful and unreasoning, who feel rather than think and seem to like feeling afraid, something I think he's going to explore in a future column. Now, those assertions are sicked on the public by the hyena media, unleashed by the Gesundheitsführers, who control it because it's owned by them. Also a fact rather than an assertion about a half dozen vast cartels, including very relevantly the pharmaceutical cartel, have financial control over the hyena media, whether by outright ownership or ownership by proxy via advertising support. 
which they can withhold and which has the same motivational effect as the withholding of food from a hyena. He says, at any rate, the assertions erupt about what hasn't happened but might because hundreds of thousands of people gathered at Sturgis, South Dakota and did not pretend to be Michael Jackson. No one has died from a bike wreck or because they got the Wu flu rebranded COVID-19 to make it sound like a threat that it isn't. But oh my, a person who visited a bar called One-Eyed Jacks could have transmitted the virus to others, barks one of the hyenas, who works at the Gesundheit Führer organ called the Washington Post. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about that particular hyena and why we're supposed to be afraid over something that we do not know. Yes. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. I do want to mention that uh, Firesteel.com is one of my sponsors. If you don't have one of their amazing spark and uh, steel and uh, strikers, sorry, I'm I'm not even sure of the, the vernacular. All I can tell you is these things work. They are phenomenal. My friend Carl was actually uh, sparking his into the kitchen sink yesterday. You know, being safe, because they really do throw a shower of sparks. He said uh, the lovely Mrs. Snyder was not as uh, as enthusiastic about <laughs> his, his recently discovered fire-making abilities, but it's very cool. And it's the kind of thing that not, not only can you afford to have in your 72-hour kit and maybe put one in each vehicle, you could give them as gifts. They are they're not... They're not cheap, and I mean in the sense that it's some kid's plaything or, you know, something that will easily break. They are very high quality, possibly the best high quality fire starters in the world, given the rare earth minerals that they use. But they're also quite affordable, and they will take the place of more matches and more lighters than you can possibly carry. And they'll work even under the worst conditions. You can strike a spark in just about any condition. You put that with some basic fire building skills, you've got the ability to create a fire when you need it the most. Go to firesteel.com. Check it out. They have videos all over the place showing what they can do, the different products that they have. I'm sure you'll find something that will fit your situation. When you go to check out, use my name, Brian with a Y, and get a 10% discount. All right, back to Eric Peters' article. The Power of the Asserted Unknown. And he's using the example of the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. Hundreds of thousands of people showed up. Very little social distancing. Very few masks. In fact, South Dakota, really, just, you know, their their governor, um, they, she, has, she has just been a breath of fresh air. That's a state that has not succumbed to the fear. And yet, the this writer for the Washington Post, her name is Hannah Rowan, was incensed that someone could have transmitted the virus to others. Now, this is... Something being uh, stated as a fact in the absence of evidence. And it's because the media has terrorized people into believing that we're all going to die, in spite of the medical and existential fact that almost none of them actually will, at least from, from COVID, and that wearing a disposable face diaper or a dirty old rag is immaterial, regardless, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to protect you. It even says so right on the box, another fact. But here this, uh, this Hannah Rowan goes on to reluctantly concede in her article in the Washington Post that four days after the event finished, South Dakota officials said they are aware of fewer than 25 infections among the people who attended the rally. 
That's 25 out of hundreds of thousands. And Eric says you can almost see her crocodile tears. No mention of the fact that not one has died or even been intubated, the latter being one of the common primal screams of the people so ruined by the fear peddled by the hyenas that they actually wish death on people who are healthy and who refuse to pretend that everyone's sick, much less about to die. Facts, you know. He says, well, the facts they don't want known, and which are therefore drowned into intellectual oblivion by the hyenas so as to maintain the sanctity of the Gesundheit Führers, who well know that this may be their Hail Mary pass, given that previous assertions about climate change and other imminent dooms never managed to get the traction that this assertion has. Which is why any slippage has to be counteracted forcefully with the wildest assertions confectable, including those about the cases, the cases, which was rushed onto the field when the crippled quarterback, the dead, the dead, could no longer play. The dead, again, being facts, actual bodies, things that can be counted, more precisely, things harder to count falsely. And when the Gesundheit Führers were counting on millions of them, they were counted preemptively before they were dead. And then as many as could be counted until they ran low on elderly people in nursing homes, about half of whom die within a year of admittance from complications of old age, which happens to the elderly and also to the older already frail who are also vulnerable to everything. So if it's necessary to diaper and glove and lock down for the Wu flu on that basis, then he says it's necessary to diaper, glove and lock down for every flu, for the common cold, which can also make dead the already frail. Facts, again, countered by assertions hysterically pre- presented in defiance of them. Now, apparently this Hannah Rowan at the Washington Post went on to write that South Dakota officials do not know the extent of the exposures, which is a variation on the cases, the cases, with the implication in both cases being that a case or an exposure is tantamount to a death. Far more important in terms of spreading fear, no one can know the extent of the exposures. It could be everyone. It could be everywhere. Run! Hide! Rule. To keep people terrified. And you can do just that with too many of them. With their frantic cooperation and their sadistic insistence that others be ruled as they are ruled. I mean, he doesn't mince words. Eric's about as direct as anybody I know. And I think he's right on. So you've got the the hyena media now focused on hystericizing not just Sturgis, but South Dakota generally. And specifically, it's non-Gesundheitfuhrer Governor Christy Noem, who hasn't locked down the people of her state. Nor has she decreed they have to wear that flimsy piece of cloth or the dirty old bandana so as to create the impression of general sickness psychosis, which doesn't exist in South Dakota, precisely because you don't see people pretending that it does. Almost no one face diapers in South Dakota. Almost no one face diapered at the Sturgis bike rally. And this gave the impression of normalcy by making the occasional face diaperer stand out like Michael Jackson when he was still alive. But you could see that he wasn't quite right. And the Gesundheit Führers want to make it appear that everyone isn't quite right by using the media to browbeat the populace into thinking that appearing like Michael Jackson is normal in order to rush in the new normal of endless fear based on endless assertions with facts suppressed in the manner of heliocentrism in the days of Ptolemy. The full impact may never be known, writes the she hyena. And Eric says, indeed, exactly, precisely. 
I'll have a link to it in the show notes. Read it. If you find it uh, strikes the right nerve, feel free to share it. You know, Jeff Tucker, Jeffrey A. Tucker, writing for the American Institute for Economic Research, had a really great essay published earlier today about how governments are faking it and copying each other. And I thought this was a very reasonable explanation as to why governments at every level seem to be doubling down on the idea, well, we've got to keep this state of emergency alive. We've got to do something, something harsher, something more substantive, something more mandatory to make sure that the people understand the seriousness of this. But I think he's right on when he says, look, they're basically admitting they don't know what they're doing and they're just copying each other. Just act, act like you know what you're doing. Act authoritative and people will fall in line, which unfortunately seems to work. He says a mystery for months is how it is that so many governments in so many different places on the earth could have adopted the same or very similar preposterous policies, no matter the threat level of the virus and without firm evidence that interventions had any hope of being effective. In the course of two weeks, traditional freedoms were zapped away in nearly all developed countries. In a, in one, in a severely, uh, or a seriously bizarre twist, rather, even the silliest policies replicated themselves like a virus in country after country. For example, you can't try on clothing in a store in Texas or in Melbourne or in London or in Kalamazoo. What's with that? We know that the COVID bug is least likely to live on fabrics unless I have symptoms of it, sneeze on my handkerchief, and then I stuff it in your mouth. The whole thing is ridiculous, and it's, it's overreach, like most of the rules under which we live. And then there's the inside-outside confusion. First, everyone was forced indoors, and people were arrested for eating, or for being outdoors, rather. Later, once restaurants started opening, people were not allowed indoors, so eating establishments scrambled to make outdoor dining possible. Are we supposed to believe that the virus lived outside for a while, but then later moved inside? Or these curfews? So many places have them despite a complete absence of evidence that COVID spread prefers the night to the day. He says, I guess the real point is to put a stop to the revelry that might bring the people together in a fun way. It's like all our governments decided on the same day that COVID spreads through smiles and fun. So we have to banish both. In Sydney and Los Angeles, also in Detroit and Miami, you need to wear a mask when you walk in a restaurant, but not when you sit. Oh, and the six-foot rule is highly suspect, too. It seems to imply that if you get too close to each other, COVID spontaneously appears. At least people seem to believe that. Australia, even in its way, created a slogan and a jingle to go with it. Staying apart keeps us together, says Orwell. I mean, Victoria. Socially distance. Don't be a silent spreader. Even the largest study yet has shown that asymptomatic cases were least likely to infect their close contacts, which is to say, this is mostly nonsense. And he says in most places, too, you have to quarantine for two weeks when you arrive from afar, even though it's rare that the virus incubation period is that long. The mean period is six days, which perhaps is what one would expect from a coronavirus like the common cold. Oh, and in department stores, you can't spray perfume to try it out because surely that spreads COVID. Not, except that there's not a shred of evidence that there's any truth to this. This one seems widely made up, even though it's widely imposed. And the list goes on. We'll come back to this in just a few moments. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, once again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking in the podcast, too. Whether you're catching the live broadcast or you're catching the podcast, I appreciate those of you who subscribe, and I, I'm putting together a list of all the different podcasting platforms that we have uh, have been accepted to. We've got some pretty impressive ones. I've got to tip my hat to my friend Sean Denovan for helping me get set up. But, uh, yeah, if you if you prefer Spotify, if you prefer iHeartRadio uh, I or Pandora or uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play, anything like that, we're there. I think we're on about two dozen different platforms at this time and just slowly, slowly spreading the word of freedom as we go. I also want to express my gratitude. Um, I have a number of, of national hosts and uh, national figures who have made themselves available to me. And I not only appreciate the content that they help provide and the insights that they provide, but I am so grateful to them for the the leg up that they give me in introducing me around to their circle of friends and their circle of influence um, that we really are in this together. And and we're, we're all trying to, to do the same thing in the sense that we just want we want more freedom. We want more prosperity. We want people to be happier. The key is we're not forcing it on you. We're asking you, please, choose it for yourself. Which, uh, surprisingly, is actually harder than forcing it on people. I Don't don't ask me why, but that's, that's how it seems to play out. So I'm, I'm going to refer you to the article from Jeff Tucker. Uh, governments are faking it and copying each other. He's got some great graphs and charts which, uh, which round out his, uh, his thesis here. But one thing I wanted to share with you from this is he said, you know, he says the closures, the lockdowns, the imposed stringency measures were not science. Yes, there may have been appeals to science, but they were not scientific. They were more of a case of monkey see, monkey do. It was international mimicry of intervention. And the social psychology experiments on conformity can help explain this better than anything else. They see governments doing some things and they say, well, let's let's do them too, as a way of making sure that they're avoiding political risk, regardless of the cost. This is a, a very big case of hashtag me too. All of which, he says, only increases one's respect for the governments around the world that did not lock down, that did not close business, didn't shut down their schools, didn't mandate masks, and did not push some crazy kabuki dance of social distancing in perpetuity. We're talking places like South Dakota, Sweden, Taiwan, and Belarus that come to mind. It takes an unusual and rare level of incredulity to avoid this kind of herd mentality. Why did so many governments go nuts at once, disregarding their own laws, traditions, and values by bludgeoning their own people with the excuse of science that has turned out to be almost completely bogus? Well, Jeffrey Tucker says some people claim conspiracy, but a much simpler answer might be that in their ignorance and stupor, they simply copied each other out of fear. That to me seems like a very reasonable explanation. By the way, in the show notes today, I'm also including a piece from uh, from John Miltimore from the Foundation for Economic Education. Sweden's results suggest that we should stop quarantining healthy children. And I know I've been harping on this this week, and I apologize. I, I feel I feel like I've been more riled this week than I have in a while. But it's because this back-to-school, um, the back-to-school feedback that parents are giving and that students are giving about what it is like trying to operate under the new normal, so to speak, 
It just seems intolerable to me. I was reading on Facebook, a parent was saying, yeah, I've been to a couple of my son's football games. And he said, the officials will hold up the ball game. If they look up in the stands and they see that someone is not wearing a face mask, one of the one of the fans in the stands isn't wearing their face mask. They bring the game to a stop and they wait. Yes, holding everybody hostage. For that one person. Now, you may say, well, that one person's a selfish brute for doing so. But do you know that? Do you know that they set out to inconvenience everybody? Or is it just someone flexing what little assumed authority they feel they have to try to shame someone? I mean, that the person who's not wearing a mask in the stands, maybe they have a perfectly legitimate medical reason for not wearing one. Do you know them personally? Do you Have you asked them? Or do we just assume they're a troublemaker? They deserve to be with the rest of us crabs down here in the bucket. Quick, they're getting away. Pull them back in. Because that's what it seems like more to me. Again, I ask the question, where does it stop? Do you have a line in the sand? I almost hesitate to ask that because I I really, I'm concerned that for a lot of people it would be like, well, not yet. How are you going to know when you have a line in the sand or where that line might be? You may just wait and wait and wait until your restraints are so tight, there is absolutely no hope of any wiggle room whatsoever, let alone reclaiming your freedoms. And I understand that this sounds like selfish ranting to so many people. Brian, you just don't care. You're just being defiant. No, what I'm doing is I'm resisting. And I hope I'm doing it for the right reasons. I, You know, I'm sincere when I tell you My conscience says this is a time where people need to find the courage to make a stand. And it's hard, and it is getting harder. If you have been to church without a mask lately, you know what I'm talking about. If you have walked into a store without a mask lately, you know exactly what I'm talking about. By the way, a friend of mine sent me something. This is just kind of an approach he uses. I'm going to recommend it to you just to give it a try. He says when he goes into a store, the store greeter will say, sir, you need to wear a mask. And he will politely with a smile say, I don't wear masks. Now, at this point, the uh, the mask enforcer will say masks are mandatory or some variation. And he will ask them, oh, did you want my business? And if they say the words yes or well, of course we do. Then at that point, you say, "Okay, great. Thanks. And smile and walk away. Now, if they try to stop him or say anything else, he does have another answer for them. He'll tell them, I don't wear masks for medical reasons. Do we need to call your manager? Smiling and polite. He says, nobody has. But if they did, he says, I would just truthfully repeat that you don't wear masks for medical reasons. Though I will never say say to them that the completely valid medical reasons are hypoxia, dental or oral hygiene, respiratory health, in addition to a strong allergic reaction to tyranny. Bottom line is... There are HIPAA and uh, other reasons that they cannot require him to disclose the details. If the manager were to refuse to allow him to enter the store, he says, at that point, I just would pull out my phone, turn on the video recording, and just say, could you please repeat what you just said, get it on the record, and then peacefully leave. So how well does that work? Well, he says, so far, I've been using this more and more frequently. And so far, it's worked 100% of the time. He says, I think having a plan or a script is the important thing. Also being prepared and thinking through how to handle objections. It's simple psychology, something he learned in Sales 101. 
people don't know how to react if you don't just do what they say the first or second time, at which point they'll just watch you walk away 99% of the time. And when he says, by worked 100% of the time, he says, I mean, I've never yet had to use the uh, plan B if they try to stop him or say anything. He says, I've done this at five or six different places, including Walmart. I don't know. It sounds like it might be worth a try. Oh, did you want my business? Well, yes. Okay, thanks. And walk away. I can't emphasize enough how important it is. Don't bring anger into the situation. There's already enough anger and fear out there. And if the idea is that we're trying to make a stand, we're trying to win people over to the side of liberty, or at least away from the side of tyranny, enough that they can get you know a little bit better perspective, we've got to take the high road. And being confrontational or getting abusive and using cuss words, that's not going to carry the day. It will undermine everything that you're trying to do. Now, it's tough. I know of what I speak. And what's tough is when you're getting, you know, when you're getting pressure, even from family members who are like, why are you doing this? Why are you creating this black mark against our family? That's that is really tough. This is why it's so important. It's absolutely essential. You have to know what do I stand for? Why do I stand for this? And that uh, stems from knowing who you are and what you believe. It's not that you have something to prove to other people. It's simply being consistent with your own values, which it turns out, for those of us who are committed to values like um, autonomy, self-determination, liberty, natural rights, this is a very strange time in human history where it's extremely uncomfortable to be consistent with your deepest convictions. Okay, it's happened to other people before in other times and places, it's, uh, it's our turn for better or for worse. I hope as you listen to the show, you find some encouragement, maybe a little dose of courage, a little something to stiffen up your backbone <laughs> and help you be that light and be the person who's willing to shine a light into the darkness. We can't do it without you. This is The Brian Hyde Show.